we thank you because you are the one that's working us to will and to do of your own good player we thank you for the abundance of your grace we thank you for the gift of righteousness we say be thou exalted in the name of jesus father we have come to learn at your at your feet spirit of the living god we ask that you teach us by yourself tonight in the name of jesus speak to us in a way that will be able to relate with you in the name of jesus as we have come to behold the light we declare that we are transformed even into the light ourselves in the name of the lord jesus thank you everlasting father thank you our guide holy spirit thank you lord jesus for this grace way we stand for in jesus mighty name we have prayed Praise the Lord. Like I said earlier, today we have we want to, in just a few minutes, we want to dwell on something we have done. We've taken an action regarding it, I think on Sunday. But um, I realize that if we are not careful or do not know how to deal with certain things, we will not be able to get the results that... Um, belong to us naturally now jesus said something in matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 he said seek first the kingdom of god and its righteousness thereof that your target should be the kingdom of god and its righteousness now the beautiful thing about the righteousness of this kingdom is that it is revealed as you operate faith as you live by faith now it says it is the righteousness of this kingdom that guarantees that every other thing will be added praise god now what is this righteousness of this kingdom is in simpler terms it is simply the standard operating procedure of the kingdom of god now it is this righteousness that um or say procedure or protocol that ensures that you get what belongs to you from a sincere point sincerely speaking there are many believers that jesus has died for that we have received the promise that we have received the holy ghost yet there is no manifestation there is no evidence to show that we are indeed born of god There are many that God has called to come and be witnesses to him. Please, I want us to understand that every single person that eat the call of the Lord Jesus, perhaps if you look at the call, every single person that eats that, that, eats that call, I want to get it now, every single person is expected to become a witness, a living evidence of what Lord Jesus, uh, you know, of what the Lord Jesus looks like. Matthew chapter 11. I'm reading all scripture from my end. Matthew chapter 11, from verse 28. Jesus was making a clear call here. He was making a call here. 
And this is the call you heeded. This is the call you answered. It says, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. It says, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all of you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, look at this. So, Jesus is promising you rest. And this is the reason you heeded his call. For many of us, the reason we became believers in Christ Jesus, sincerely speaking, is because we got fed up. Not just because he died for our sins. Many of us got into Christ because of the challenges we faced. There are very few people who are opportune to enter into Christ and they did not see the Lord as an opportunity to solve their problems. For people like us, it was later we learned about the love of God. The reason we became believers was because we saw an opportunity to solve our problems. Now, this is not an entirely wrong approach. Listen to me, listen to me. Now, this is not an entirely wrong approach to get in. Somehow you shall get to Christ. The, the, what makes it wrong is that you continue to see the Lord Jesus as your ticket out of your problems and not build a real relationship with him. I want to get it now. He said, come to me, all of you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, the Lord Jesus knows that you are used to carrying something. See, sometimes when the Lord Jesus speaks, I, I just sit down and I begin to think, oh God, this man knew what he was talking about. Now, he said, take my yoke on you. Because the Lord Jesus knows that because you have been used to carrying something, you will not go empty-handed. So he says, you know what? This way, I will give you rest, and in return for this rest, take my yoke. Because you are used to carrying something. So take my own yoke and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And he says, it is in taking my yoke that you will find rest. The rest is eating. I'm going somewhere with this. The rest is eating in the yoke. Are we together? Now, this may not make sense. It was not intended to make sense. How can, how can the man tell you, come, I know you are carrying something heavy. Let me come and give you something that is, let us exchange it. I'm going to give you something else you carry. But it is in carrying it that you will rest. It does not make any sense. But he has said, come and carry the yoke. So as long as you are carrying the yoke, there is rest. Listen to me. Every time you leave the yoke and you are carrying something else, there is unnecessary labor. I want to get it now. So let's settle some days. That the Lord Jesus said you should come and exchange yoke does not mean you cannot carry the previous yoke you to carry again. Come to me, all you that labor. So, you, because you are used to laboring, I want to get it now. If you are not careful, you can go back to carrying the yoke you are left behind. Mm 
our main scripture today. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Come unto me, all of you that are heaven laden, and I will give you rest. Don't forget, very important point, the rest he promised you is eating the yoke. It is in carrying of the yoke that the rest manifests. Now, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, seeing now that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, listen to me. Seeing now that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Witnesses. Who are these witnesses? Hebrews chapter 11 talks about the elders, the patriarchs of faith. People who... Through faith, had become something in God. They became a standard for us to look up to. They have been called to come and witness God. They heeded the call together now. And their lives became a point of reference for us. The same call they received is the same one you have received. The beautiful thing about it is that the majority of them did not have the opportunity to be able to manifest as God. Now, you have been called to come and manifest as God. You have been called to come and be a revelation of God to men so that they can come closer to God. Are we together now? Now, from the moment you either this call, your life is supposed to witness the Lord Jesus. No one witnesses just by speaking of the mouth. So when you're just talking, your witness is not powerful enough. Your witness cannot be convincing enough. Witnessing comes with results. Are we together? This is what the Lord Jesus told the apostles, that wait, you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So until the power has come, wait. You can't witness without power. Witnessing requires result. Now, so if you are going to get the result, and it says, let us lay aside. Someone to themselves, let us lay aside. Let us lay aside every weight and the sins which doctor easily beset us. Let us lay aside every weight. So yes, you have received the call. Yes, you have been called. If I let me say this now, every single believer has been called to be a witness to Christ. Let's let's let this now. So every person that has received the Lord Jesus has the call of God upon their lives. There's no argument in that. Argue as long as you want, but that's the truth. Now. God may not be calling you to ministry. It is important that we define these things. So when we say that there is the call of God upon your life, what we are saying is that you have been come to come and witness to the name of Jesus and become a, an example, a standard for other men to see what God can do through man. So you can be a standard for how God deals with men that relates with him, how God deals with his sons in a particular industry. So God can call you to come and be a revelation of himself in the industry. He can call you to come and be a revelation of himself 
in your line of work. He can call you to come and be a revelation of himself in other feet, any area of life. It is not in this ministry. Now, before you get to that understanding, I mean, before you get to becoming the revelation of God in that area, in that industry, in that, um, you know, in that trade, you, in that business you're doing, you need to understand something. And this is why many Christians do not attain the potential that is in them. That there is a difference between weight and the responsibility of witness. There is a difference. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 3. This scripture will help us even as we look at laying aside every weight. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 3. It says, For you are, in fact, let's start from verse 1. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1, it says, If you be then risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Now, this is the secret. He said, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Now, verse 2 says, set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. Verse 3 says, for you, are, the truth is this, and this is the truth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. For you are dead. I will do it now. And your life is eat with Christ in God. So whoever you used to be before is dead. Now, verse uh, nine of that scripture now says that you should put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So the truth is that you died, and you are a new person now. And as a new person, you have received a call. Hear me. And it is in the performance or say, it is in the operation of this call that your rest is one. It is in the operation of this call that your prosperity is two. So true prosperity, listen to me now, true prosperity is living the plan of God for your life. No wonder Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 emphasizes on laying aside the weight, laying aside the sin. What do you now do when you lay aside these two? It says you run with patience the race that is set before you. There is so, so listen to me. If God wanted children to populate heaven, if it was just about you becoming a child of God, from the day you received the Lord Jesus, you would have gone to heaven straight. So if God is allowing you to remain on the earth, hear me. If God is allowing you to remain on the earth after receiving a new spirit, it is because he has a plan for you to fit into. And your relevance on the earth is measured by this race. And this is why there are many believers today, they are not relevant. In their businesses, in their communities, in their, praise God, 
in their, in their communities, in their even in their churches, even in their you know in their areas, in their in, 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 whenever people of their same trade, they meet, they are not relevant. The secret to relevance, listen to me, the secret to relevance for the believer is the oppression of the race that is set before you. So if you want to be relevant, run your race. I repeat, if you want to become relevant at all, you want to you want results that really matter. The ones that really make a difference, the ones that really that are really relevant. There is a race before you. I was speaking to someone earlier today. The person is a Muslim, and so I was trying to be very cautious of um, the words that I use, so that she does not um, misunderstand me. And I told her in in simple sentence that. There is a difference between usefulness and purpose. So you can be useful and purposeless. But you can't be, you can't be a man of purpose and be useless. So you can, listen to me, you can be very useful, but irrelevant. Do you want to be relevant? Do you want to lead a life that brings forth prosperity? In fact, do you want to prosper indeed? There is a risk ahead of you. Now, the Lord Jesus is saying, I mean, Hebrews 12 is saying, there are challenges to the, to the running of the race. I get it. That the race is not always going to be easy. Now, I said the first challenge is that you have weights. The first challenge is that you have weight. Now, let's define the term weight. There are three categories of the word weight. We have talked about this before. Three categories. The first one are your cares. The first categories of your weight are your cares. The things that you care about. Now, this is the wonderful thing about your cares. Your cares can be relevant or irrelevant. You can care so much about irrelevant things. Praise God. So when we use the language care, please, I want us to understand that it is very, it is very relative. What is relevant to Mr. A might not be relevant to Mr. B. What Mr. C cares about, Mr. D might not care about it. But you must understand this, that your cares are based on your programming, your belief system about how life should be lived before you receive the Lord Jesus. So basically, the things you care about, they come from your understanding of what life means, what results matter, and who you believe that you are. By your cares, we can take, we can, I mean, we can tell now, we can discover what kind of Christian you are. By the things you care about, we can discover how much your mind has been transformed. 
I need you to ask yourself now. It's not just about casting those cares. What are the things that you care about? Because there are some cares you don't, you can't cast them. There's no point casting them because they are irrelevant. I get it. See, we have to get to a point and understand certain things. There are some cares that are so irrelevant to our lives, yet we care about them. Example of those cases, I give you one. Other people's opinion about your relationship with God and the works of God that you are doing. You know, there are many people sincerely they want to, you know, they want to do wonderful and great things for God, but because of the atmosphere in which they found themselves, okay, and because of the kind of people that they are around, and because of the kind of communications that go around that they find themselves drawing back. Because they'd be like, I, I don't want to become the person that they are talking about, you know. They'll be like, it's always me, it's always me, it's only me. Listen to yourself. So that's what you care about. You care about how other people view you. I want to get it now. So we should understand some cares that we cast. But there are some cares, I'll be frank with you, there are some cares you need to grow out of. So ask yourself, what are the things that you care about? Now, you now you need to do a small litmus test for your cares. And that is by checking whether these cares aligns with the race that you are running. Because listen to me now, every care that does not align with the race that is set before you is a distraction. As well-meaning, listen to me now, as well-meaning it may look like, as beautiful as they may be like, as real as those cares may be, if it is taking your attention away from the race that is set before you, it is a distraction. So you must understand, you must be able to discern whether it is the kind of care that aligns with your race or something you feel or you think or you believe that you should have. You know, we have to come to a point where we believe so much that whether God blesses us or not, we'll continue to love him. Whether God blesses us or not, we'll continue to walk his works. Whether God blesses us or not, are we together now? We'll continue to do his instructions. Until you come. See, there are many Christians, they have made their relationship with God transactionary. If you do this for me, I'll do that. If you do this for me, I'll do that. God, if you want me to do this, I'll do that. What happened? And listen to me now, if you, if you belong to that category of people, you are not ready for a real relationship with God. I'll be frank with you. What you are doing is that you are doing business transaction with the Father of Spirits. You are not ready. I was going to now. 
So you must have this understanding that there are some cares. They have no relevance to your life as it is. There are some cares. It is because they are just trending. That is why you care about them so much. You know, people have looked at, there's one thing that most people deal with, and it's the problem of comparison. Jesus is Lord. Comparison has ruined more destinies than what not. Comparing yourself constantly with other people, looking at the results of other men and looking at yourself and saying, ha, when will I also reach this level? And so it becomes the reason why you are disheartened and it becomes the reason why you are going back from God. And then before you know it, it becomes a prayer point. So your prayers now are now fueled by your comparison, by, by, the, by, by the ideologies that come when you compare yourself with other men. Those kind of cares, you don't cast them. You grow out of them. Are we together now? So, in order to be able to deal with the kind of cares that are not a need, listen to me now. So, when the Bible says, cast all your cares upon him, all of the things that you need to be done, you need to understand the difference between a need and a want. There are some of your cares you just want them, you don't need them. And what you need is what would be required for you to run the race you are running effectively. Those are your needs. Praise God. I pray for you in the name of Jesus that you'll be able to design. Cast your cares on him. Grow out of the ones that are not necessary to your race. Grow out of the cares that are not necessary to your race. I repeat, grow out of the cares that are not necessary to your race. So when you find yourself beginning, make sure your prayer point, see the Bible says that you ask and you receive not. Because you ask amiss. So make sure that your prayer points are not centered on things that does not matter to your focus on the race that is set upon you, that is set before you. So while it is wonderful to cast cares all around, you must learn to discern the difference between the cares you need to cast and the cares you need to grow out of. Let me have you draw the line again. The cares you may cast on God, the desires that you might cast on God, and those needs which are essential, listen to me, which are essential to the race that is set before you. Knowing fully well that God will not send out a man hungry. Knowing fully well that God will not send out a man without power. Knowing fully well that God would not send out a man without the ability to manifest him. Knowing fully well 
that God will not send you for to show love without the ability to love, knowing fully well that God will not give, ask you to go forth giving to other people without first blessing you. So when we pray, listen to me now, when we are casting our cares on God or we are demanding some of some things in the name of Jesus, make sure that you are standing in a point demanding for what is about the race set ahead of you. The beautiful thing about it is that if you are de- if, if, it, if that is what you are demanding in real, in the reality rather, if that is what you are demanding for, it will be for the advancement of the kingdom. Because essentially your race is about the advancement of the kingdom. I will get it now. That's number one. Your cares. So if anything that does not fall into that category, I will get it now. Anything that does not fall into that category of God's promise to you, especially concerning your race, drop it. Do what? Drop it. Drop it. That's one. Your cares. Two. Fears. Your fears. First John, I think from chapter. Let me look for the scripture quickly. I'm looking for the scripture that says, He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Hmm. I'm still looking for the scripture. Good. First John chapter 4 and verse 17. It says, Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. This is the second, we're talking about the second kind of weight you may have now. Verse 18 now says, there is no fear in love. There is no what? There is no fear in love, because perfect love casts out fear. It says, because fear has torment. He that fears, ladies and gentlemen, is not made perfect in love. He that fears is not made perfect in love. I repeat, he that fears is not made perfect in love. And I says, we love him because he first loved us. So you must have this understanding. Listen to me now. Regarding those fears, understand this. That God cannot call you to come and destroy your life. One. Two, God cannot call you his son and leave you stranded as you're doing his will. These two are not possible. This two can't happen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And this son said, 
the reason I came, John chapter 10 and verse 10, is so that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. So if indeed God loves me, there is nothing for me to fear. Praise God. So the, the antidote to fear, ladies and gentlemen, is a revelation of God's love for us. But many of us, we are unable to process the love of God for us because of, because of the relationship we have with God. Now, there is a relationship between God and us. Yes, he is our father and he loves us. I would say that, but that's the relationship between him and us. But there is a reciprocatory relationship between us and him. He first loved us. So whether we choose to love him or not, he still loved us. However, if we do not know about his love, there will be fears. So let me allay your fears now. Nothing can go wrong. Listen to me. Fear has torment. Huh? Fear has the capacity to make what is small amplified. And this is the truth. Fear causes believers to talk rubbish. Uh, uh, let, me, let, me do this, let me say it this way. Fear causes the believer to make wrong confession. And this is one of the reasons why 90% of the things fear will come to pass. This is the secret behind the final manifestation of fears in reality. It is that they have led you to confess the wrong thing. And so when you confess the wrong thing, you are giving back to the wrong situation. I want to get it now. The antidote. There is no other antidote to fear. It says, for we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But we have received the spirit of sonship. Romans chapter 8. We have received the spirit of sonship whereby we can cry, Father, Father. We can cry, Father, because we know that he loves us. Listen to me. We can call him Father because he knows that he loves us. And no father will abandon their children. Well, irresponsible fathers in the world may, but he will not. Are we together now? Can somebody say God loves me? Can somebody say God loves me? The love of God envelopes me. So you need a revelation of God's love in your life. Too many times we have been distracted by the things that we are going through that we can't realize God's love for us. You know, I, I went to the hospital about two weeks ago to minister to sick people. And yeah, I think that was about two or three weeks ago. And um, on getting there, I just kept giving glory to God. That, so this is me. The people with different cases. And like, this is me, and I've not had to use a drug in the last one year. Going to two years now. <laughs> 
and I'm being like, now I'm not mocking them. I'm saying, so God loves me this much that I do not have to be on the sick bed like these people. Because the truth is that they are humans, you are human. I mean, they have a body, you have a body. I mean, they may be humans and you, are, you may not be a human being, you may be a God being. But they have a body and it's the body that falls sick. Falls sick like that. And you have a body too. So do not wait until people around you are in trouble before you realize God's love for you. You need a revelation of God's love for you. And this revelation is not short. I want to get it now. It's not short in the secret place with God. This revelation is not short even as you spend time fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. This revelation is not short. Even as you spend time with God, with the Spirit of the living God, not just about studying, fellowshipping. Without the revelation of God's love for you, you can't cast your fears on God with thanksgiving in your heart. It is impossible. And this is what Philippians chapter 4 was saying, that be anxious for nothing. Be careful for nothing. I think Philippians 4, 6. It says, be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. You can't make your request be made known to God with thanksgiving in your heart if there is no revelation of God's love in your heart. And this is why opposition said, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Our love is perfect. So in the day of judgment, there is no fear. I've told us before that the day of judgment simply refers to the day where circumstances will need to be judged, when Satan will need to be judged, the day when you hold up God's standard against everything else. The day where everything else is judged by God's word. And if you ask me, Every day is judgment day. Because Satan is always looking for a way to misbehave. I want to get an app. He says, we have boldness in the middle of our challenges. We have boldness, even, even against those fears. We are confident because we know that as Christ is, and so are we. We know that God loves us and he has deposited in us the ability to overcome. Many, sincerely speaking, many of us are scared today because we don't know how tomorrow looks like. Even though God has spoken to us about it, we do not believe. To trust God, you need the revelation of his love. I repeat, 
To trust God, you need the revelation of his love. To trust God, you need the revelation of his love. So you can't just say, I love God. It requires a revelation and it is followed up with action. In fact, if you indeed love God, we will not beg, nobody will beg you to be a witness to the Lord Jesus. Your love for God will propel you to walk the works of your father. Praise God. Love God. I am imploring you. There are some fears that it is the revelation of love that will take them away. It takes a revelation of the love of God to pray about something you are scared about and then have it settled in your mind just like that. It is well. This is the second weight that you must lay aside. Your fears. Your fears. Lay it aside. We are being asked to look at the life of Abraham and use that as an example to lay aside our fears. Look at the life of Joseph. Every time you are faced with uncertainty about the future, Look at the life of the, even the Lord Jesus. And gain confidence that if it is the same God that walked with these people and is my father, then surely there is a better ending for me. That's the second wait. Now, the third wait our ambitions now this is where the issue really is for many people they are able to get over the issue of you know tears for many they are not trapped but even by fear they're not really scared of anything much i mean when they pray they have they're they done with prayer where they have the issue with is the in the ambitions. I want to become this. I want to become that. I want to be this. I want to be that. Please, um, I, I speak from a sincere point, sincerely speaking, and I'm be I'm, I'm well meaning with this statement when I say that God wants you to become a source of reference. Let me repeat. God wants you to become a source of reference. Second Corinthians 5, verse 21. He said, He that knew no sin, since God has made him to be sin for us, so that we may become the righteousness of God. Let me quickly tell you about the righteousness of God. Becoming the righteousness of God is simply becoming God's justification for doing things. Hello? Becoming God's reference point for a particular set of results. When it comes to the issue of faith, Abraham became the righteousness of God. And today he's called the father of faith. Ha! Huh. The Bible says that Abraham walked with God. Abraham believed God and God counted it for righteousness. 
Abraham became the righteousness of God in such a way that God wanted to do things on earth. He came looking for Abraham. I said, he said, will I do something on the earth without, without informing my friend Abraham? And then he spoke to Abraham about it. Now, listen to me now. Abraham had the opportunity. Listen to me, everybody. Abraham had the opportunity to set the system through which Sodom and Gomorrah will be judged. In fact, he did not just have the opportunity. Say Abraham, rather. Abraham was the one that set the exam that Sodom and Gomorrah okay, did and they failed. So regardless, see, all of the atrocities that Sodom and Gomorrah had been doing from the beginning, it did not matter. God looked for somebody to share it with. And this somebody stood in gap, setting the exam for Sodom and Gomorrah, setting the means of justification for Sodom and Gomorrah, and said, Father, okay, he said, God, if you can find 10 people that are, um, you know, 10 people, I think 10 or 5 people that are righteous in that city, would you spare them? And God said, because of your word, because of your word, I will spare them. And then when God, that was the exam, and then when God got there, he did not meet ten people. He could only find four. Lot, his two daughters, and the wife. He could only find four. If there had been ten righteous people in Sodom, the city would have been saved. What am I saying? That you can become the righteousness of God. That you can become God's reference point for doing things. You can become God's reference point for doing things. So God wants to make you such a force on the head. And you, you are there thinking that... Um, it is by your power and by your might or by the degrees or by the, you know, or by the certificates or by the courses or by the opportunities. I, I want to get now. As beautiful as these things are, I am not neglecting them. As beautiful as they are, understand this, that anything that takes you out of your race is a distraction. Praise God. Ambitions. Many people do not realize that after you have received the Lord Jesus, the yoke that was laid upon you, that you have laid aside, many have gone back to pick back the same yokes in the name of ambitions. Many fell into temptations because of these ambitions. Sincere, born-again believers, spirit-filled, had received bribes because of ambitions. They have kept their mouth silent. They have kept their mouth shut. At the oppression of other people because of their ambitions. They have kept the bonds in bondage 
and did as if they did not see it, and then come to God and come and pray in churches because of the ambitions. Many people, you see what is wrong going on. What is you see an if broad daylight evil happening, but because the person doing it is a big person, and you know, if you if you if you voice up, you might hinder your own promotion. It's your boss, so you shut up. Ambitions getting in the way. First Peter chapter five verse seven says, "Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God." The mighty, listen to me now, the mighty hand of God, what it does is to direct. Are we together? The mighty hand of God directs. In simple terms, what that scripture is saying is that submit yourself to the direction of the Holy Ghost. And in due time, you will be promoted. See, it is God that promotes. Sincerely speaking, it is God that promotes. No man can do anything except it is given him from above. No man can become anything except he is given from above. So you must always have this at the back of your mind. It is God that promotes. It is God that gives. And that God can resist. He resisted the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He resisted the proud and gives grace to the humble. What am I saying? That as beautiful as your ambitions are, wonderful. If they do not align with the race that is set before you, that's what they are. Ambitions. They are not to be pursued. I repeat. They are not to be pursued. Because now they are no longer ambitions, they have become distractions. And many people have lost, I mean, the race of destiny because of these distractions. They may seem logical, they may seem appealing, they may seem wonderful, they may, you know, by all criteria, they might be all right. But it is discernment to know what is meant for you and what is not meant for you? To be frank with you, there are many opportunities that will come your way. Not all of them are for you. They are not necessarily evil. And let me correct a narrative now. It is not every experience that you have that is evil. Hello? Training is not always easy. If training were to be easy, then how would execution become possible? You know, some of my students have approached at different times. I think I was talking to them recently and telling them that one of the one of the things that many of the many things that this generation has gotten wrong is the definition of a, of suffering. <laughs> <laughs> the definition of suffering. The definition of suffering. So they are this is one of suffering. Some them, their parents can afford to put food on the table. They can eat breakfast and they can eat dinner. They can eat twice a day. 
but because in the afternoon when the children come back from school and you know they they, they find themselves drinking uh gary you, you get and then they're not and see their mates eating rice in their houses by reason of that comparison they think that they are suffering and 14 years they have dab they are dabbling into fraud 14 years 15 years 16 years with the excuse of there is nothing to do in Nigeria. The truth is, you have gotten the definition wrong. Now, am I going to advise suffering? No, I'm not saying you should suffer necessarily. But a man should be able to determine and define the seasons of his life. You don't live like a king when during your training. The life of a king does not become does not begin in the training. Listen to me, son of God, God in the flesh, walking on the earth. It did not become celebrated until after 30. The Lord Jesus did not become celebrated until after 30 years and listen to me now it be for these 25 years plus of work 25 years plus of studying the scriptures 25 years plus of going through training so to say it did not become celebrated until after 30 years if it is this generation son of god ordinary prince that the son of a king on this earth, if you put him with the carpenter and ask him to grow in the house of a carpenter, you believe that the father is already, you know, making him suffer. <laughs> training. You must understand that training is not the, the, the season of training is not always easy. So you should know when you are going through a training. I was going to now. We were talking about ambitions earlier. So I just drifted off into the area of training. Let's be clear about this. Any ambition that is not backed and is that is not backed by the direction and guidance of the Holy Ghost is a distraction. As well meaning as it may seem. And this is why. We must learn to table everything before the Holy Spirit before we go ahead and do it. Learn to table every business opportunity. Learn to table every job opportunity. Learn to table every opportunity. Learn to table every plan. Because in all of your getting, in all of your doing, it is very important that you do not miss God. In all of your doing, it is very important that you do not miss God. Lay aside the ambitions. Even you, there are some ambitions you know that it has nothing to do with God's plan for your life. But you feel on the side, it's, you know, quickly, your, your mates are doing it too now. There's no big deal. 
Well, I'd like to tell you this. There are no mates in the kingdom of God. And there is no comparison between the dead and the living. I repeat, there are no mates in the kingdom. Why? There are no what? There are no mates in the kingdom. Why? And then two, there is no comparison between the dead and the living. This is what I mean. And I'm closing on this note before we pray shortly. Every person that is looking at unbelievers as an example for the things that they do not have there in their lives, they are comparing the dead with themselves, the living. A believer is alive because he has the life of God in him. An unbeliever is dead because he does not have the life of God. So if an unbeliever is doing certain things and have certain results, you shouldn't compare yourself with the unbeliever. What you should rather do is to learn where God has positioned you to be so that at the end of the day, the result of your life will transcend and be better than the result of any unbeliever. Sincerely speaking, I see no reason why the dead and the living will be competing. I see no reason. So I pray for you in the name of Jesus that the grace to be able to lay aside every selfish ambitions, every distractions in the name of opportunities, the grace to discern and to lay them aside is activated in your life in the name of Jesus. Shall we begin to pray? In a minute, we're going to be asking for the help of the Holy Ghost. The Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit should help us to identify the cares we need to roll out of, to experience a revelation of God's love for us, and to be able to lay aside every selfish ambitions. Shall we begin to pray now? In the name of Jesus, Father, we ask today 